That's the intro section. I don't, I don't know which, which channel will this go to. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so anyway, today uh, we're filming a podcast while we're actually eating dinner. And uh, we're actually trying out the Zoom H8, la, which is loaned to us uh, from Jay's Positive Music. Yeah, so it's the first, first in Asia. Yeah, we keep repeating it on. We did the highlight video. First in Asia. <laughs> we did the highlight, it's not first, actually, we don't, don't bother with this. So, so, this is the Zoom H8. And now we're still using like uh, DT mics, mics here and there, audio technical mics, we're in German, shout out everyone. DT mics, everybody's yeah. mics. Yeah. <laughs> So we're here at the party place, the coffee that coffee place. Yeah. Oh, I forgot the most important thing. Introduce the guest. Seva, you join here and uh, also Pentium percussion. Yeah. Hello so, guys. Yo. Okay, last thing is about this focus more on drums, uh, drums and Pentium. So, can we just start like want to ask like uh, about Pentium percussion uh. So like initially uh, how it all started the history. Actually, why why do you start Pentium percussion in the first place? Oh, so, <clears throat> so Pendant started because I was a uh, itchy backside, lah, basically. I was a very restless kind of uh, guy. And so I was always tinkering with repairs, you know. So there was this, this tussle of in, internally, right, of me being itchy finger plus uh, not really having a lot of money or trying not to spend a lot of money. And so uh, there was this uh, do-it-yourself kind of uh, feeling, lah. You know, so I, I began with refurbishing a, a gigantic 17-piece Tamasla Kasik maple drum set. 17-piece, uh, it was ridiculous. So I had to clean like, clean like cell, you know. Uh, and and that, that's actually where I began. Oh, you can do this, you can't do that. Sometimes uh, stripping out parts is more destructive than, you know, it's not good to strip out parts and all that. So I learned a couple of lessons from that. You know, and uh, what kind of cleaning materials work and what don't. You know, and uh, how much finger strength I need to have to, in order to clean the stupid thing. <laughs> you know, uh, so so that was an interesting project. I took like two weeks to clean 17 pieces, you know, and change the skins. and So it began with that. Uh, then after that, you know, you get the confidence to, after you strip everything, uh, you, you feel like, hey, maybe uh, it's not that hard, right? Maybe I can try this myself, you know, if I can uh, get some parts, buy some parts and do it, do a Ikea, Lego kind of uh, drum construction thing. Yeah, then, okay, so we did that. And then after that, oh, it became, uh, okay, why don't I try to make the shell myself? You know, then of course I didn't have all the, the skills required. I actually have no technical background. No, no DNT. I didn't do O-level DNT. Uh, so I, I actually had not much access to workshop or tools. So I actually had to enlist a, a friend. Uh, his name is Darren and he, he was very experienced uh, handyman. You know, he did a lot of building repair. He knew how to do carpentry. All knew how to work the tools, knew everything. So I had the drum knowledge. He's not a drummer. I had the knowledge and he had the, the skills. And then we cross-pollinate, you know. Uh. I teach you drum things and you teach me. Uh. So, so it's like... Started off with just like maintenance and like refurbishing drums first la. Yeah. And so like so from there you like reverse engineer. You go, yeah, you go deeper and deeper yeah. into it, and then the rabbit hole gets mm. deeper and more and more crazy la. Then the more things you know, the more things you don't know, you know. Then you keep keep digging and digging and so literally we spent like one and a half years right doing endless online research about how to do these methods. You know, and so it wasn't just the methods for making the drums, it was also like the entrepreneurial 
kind of things like you know how to do marketing you know how I had at that point I was not really a social media person or I didn't like spend much time on the computer even actually and uh, so so I had to make many changes to make it a viable business at some point yeah the start of the like Pantheon, the name, how long ago was that? Uh, okay, so uh, we began in 2010, 2010, but we had not settled on the name yet. I took like a six months to or so, you know, to figure oh. out the name, just to figure out a name. Well, mm-hmm. before that, we, we knew like, okay, maybe we want to do drums already. Yeah. You know, uh, so I, I had toyed with a few ideas, you know, but so the name had to be cool yeah. and memorable. You know, it got to be perfect, right? Yeah. So I, I had narrowed it down to three ideas and I went to some random people and asked them like, hey, what do you think of this name? Hey, very lame, leh. <laughs> you know, uh, then, uh, so we, I went through the, the lame test, lah, you know. Uh. Went to talk to people and got second opinion and, and Pantheon kind of stuck. Oh. So, hey, it looks, you know. And then there was a story, you know, that could be concocted. Actually, the name thing is really quite true. Uh. Like, coming up with a name for like, like a band right? or like a business. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the time we were watching this video, this guy, he has this company where he just name stuff. Name, name companies and name like But products. that's quite an amazing job. It's like, wow. So that's a business. Uh, naming. naming. Yeah, it's company ah. just naming. Naming brands. Naming brands. No, because it's, it's much more than just like naming the product. You yeah, know, yeah, uh, like, yeah, you, right. you like, it must be the story behind yeah, it. Like, the ethos, you know, the way, the thinking behind it. What kind of company you want. Are you going to be a high-end market or... You know, correct, correct. you know, you the whole branding thing has to, yeah, has to come in. So in order to get a name, I had to like digest a lot of stuff. Yeah. Does it work with like this philosophy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to narrow it down. There was a whole workflow of things. Uh, the kind of company I wanted, the kind of products I was wanting to produce, the attitude that I wanted to have when posting about it, the voice that I would write in, yeah. you know, the kind of images that I would produce. I think for me, like, Pantheon, when you first heard of Pantheon, I give you like image of like very, like a legacy. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, already something that feels like already established. Maybe it's on like the, the Greek, like yeah, Pantheon yeah, yeah. So, so, so I mean, the, the story of the Pantheon is that mm. it's actually a building. Yeah, the yeah, you know, the, the actual yeah. building. You can can Google about uh. it. But there, there were two things about it. One is the, it's a temple to all gods, mm. and the second one is also in the English language. When you think about Pantheon, you, you think about oh, the Pantheon of Greats. You you get I me. Mean? So it it gives a feeling of that it is very. Yeah. It is the top lah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, yeah, that's the cream. So, and it has a kind of like a deep cultural rich meaning, you know. Yeah, that's why. I got a comment. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners and our viewers, right, will be very interested. If Pantheon Percussion wasn't the first name, what are like the other candidates, the name <laughs> besides <laughs> Pantheon Percussion? Like, we want to know the second or the third one. Maybe like your first top five like, before Pantheon Percussion. What were the candidates? If which you which can still remember. Which the names It's been a long time. <laughs> Uh, but also some of the things that I thought about uh, were related to me. Ah, okay. Uh, not and had nothing to do with my name. Yeah. You know, uh, like my it had to do with some of my past experiences. You know, you want to think about wood. You want to think about tree. You want to think about you know uh, things that are associated with it. You know, oh, the, yeah, the, I get what you mean. the branding of drums tends to be with wood. Yeah, correct. You know, and then there were many permutations of wood, wood in different languages, certain kind of wood in, ah, uh, yeah, then wow. it gets complicated. You know, so uh, I thought of my own personal experience because I spent a long time in the army. You know, ah, I was, uh, okay. I was uh, 10 years in the army. And then uh, there's this, uh, most people won't uh, relate to this, <laughs> but uh, there's this objective called Lone Tree Hill. 
Lone Tree Hill. Lone Tree Hill. That means at the top of the hill, there's only one tree. Oh, Lone Tree Hill. Okay, 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 okay. So, uh, one of the working names was Lone Tree Hill Percussion. Oh, that sounds like very um, boutique. Like yeah, it has its own yeah. idea and flair right. behind it. So, uh, but it did not pass my, you know, the lame test. bullshit factor. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like you wanted the name to really stem an impact and by Lone Tree Hill, it doesn't really give off a very strong yeah. image or branding like in a way. Yeah, yeah, and maybe there's a, some people who have a negative association oh, yeah, I get with, with, with Army, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Because, <laughs> uh, wow, I remember Lone Tree Hill, wow, I chong that hill, don't know how many times. <laughs> I was like, this mission, wow, and then I had to cancel back, wow, hey, you know, oh, so, wow. so I didn't want ne- too many negative connotations. Oh, the PTSD so, come out. Yeah, PTSD, wow, wow, hey, you know, the time, uh, my, uh, PC tekan wow. me, you know. Wow. So that could be, actually, that could be the names uh, <laughs> for Pendant Percussion. Lone Tree Hill Percussion. It could have, it could have been, so that was a, but it had its own interesting story, so, mm. but it, it was not a suitable candidate. Yeah. La. I had like, yeah, one other or two other working names which didn't quite resonate, you know. Oh, that's cool, yeah. no, so, I, know. I mean, some other things were like things to do with sound, you mm. know, like qualities you normally associate with drums like, or oh, resonance, volume, you know. So those are the typical names okay, you yeah. associate with drums. Correct, correct. Yeah. But the story not deep enough. Correct, correct. It's like you're not going Deep enough, it's just like face value. Yeah, yeah, kind of like eh, touch and go. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. But then also, like, if you name it, maybe like to a sound, then like. What if your drums don't sound like yeah, that? Yeah, then, then people yeah. might like, they typecast your sound to sound like that because of uh, the name only. Then correct, it's, like, correct. So that was a. That was one of the tricky things. That's why I didn't want to, like, say, or like, a uh, certain kind of wood. Uh, yeah, you know, like uh, olive, metal, olive like tree metal. drums. You know, it's something metal, like that. <laughs> what if I don't make those? Yeah. What if you make metal drums? Then like, uh, that what? Olive tree drums, but it's a brass. Yeah, <laughs> I got a few drum companies in my mind, lah. But then I don't say, lah. <laughs> 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 <I don't say. laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so uh, getting a name, a company name, uh, ethos. Uh, the kind of culture that you want to build. You know, if you're thinking of the long-term game, it's not just like, oh, I'm just going to make drums. It's got to be more than that, right? Yeah, it's got correct. You're so building a whole the, community around it. Yeah, what's the philosophy of like NTS now? Uh, okay, I began the company with the, with the idea of meeting needs. Because when I was uh, growing up as a musician, there were many unmet uh, needs in the music scene. One one of them was like, you know, the shops, some of the shops, you know, they'll give you bad customer service, take it or leave it, you know, this is what we have, you take it or leave it, right? Or or the culture would also be, oh, we only buy on sale. <laughs> uh, if not, on a normal day, we don't have, you know, money to buy drums at these exorbitant prices, right? And also, I think that in the, in the 90s and 80s, you know, a lot of, a lot of Singaporeans weren't rich you know, the country wasn't so prosperous yet. And so the idea of growing up with money was kind of a strange concept. And uh, to me, at least, uh, drums was a very luxurious thing. Like, wow, you own your own drum set. Wow, you uh, confirm you're rich. Oh yeah, 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 yeah correct, correct. Correct. Like, Probably like people hear you drum on it, think, wow, you know, you say landed property, you pay drum. Like, ah, confirm landed property. Like, hey, TV, you write drums. Like, yeah, yeah. Wow, you got the, wow, you got to have soundproofing in your uh, room. Uh, you got the symbols. Wow, then the symbols of goodness. How many thousand, what, thousand <laughs> over dollars? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, and then the kind of setup that you want, uh, you're gonna go broke. So, so you didn't dream of it, and the best that most people could master was buy a snare drum, and even that would be kind of a huge investment, you know. Um, like imagine you started working, uh, your salary, I mean, money in those days was different value, right? Yeah, but... So you fresh graduate, you come out with money, 
uh, salary from your first job. And then even then, you probably had to think twice about buying a snare drum. You know, so uh, in back in 2003, I invested in one snare drum and I played it for like 20 years, you know. What was the snare drum? Tama, Star Crossing Maple. You Star know. Crossing Maple, wow. At that time, it was like Tama, wow, Tama, you know. Tama means good. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. it was one of the few brands that Sweetie brought in actually. Ah, so, okay, I, okay. you know, there really, really wasn't much choice. Huh? Okay. Did you buy it during the 50% Sweetie sale? <laughs> no, that, that's, the, that's the kicker. I actually bought it secondhand. Oh. Right. I didn't even dare to put down money. A brand new one. You know, because, yeah, I mean, I would say that really times have changed. The young people grew up richer, more options, knowing exactly what they want, yeah. having product knowledge, they have people that they look up to. In my time, there wasn't even YouTube, man. Yeah, true. You know, we, so we, when, the way we picked up information was we read magazines. Oh. For oh. crying out loud, you know, okay. Modern Drama Magazine was a magazine, you know, and so that was every month religiously you buy, you wait for the next, you know, uh, issue of Modern Drama Magazine and then you digest every page, take out the advertisement and then you go and frame it up. And wow. Say, wow. Wow, I'm this drummer, wow, Van, Alex Van Halen, wow, wow. You know, and then you, you, you only had this small amount of information. So I think the, the scene really changed and uh, it was to meet these kinds of needs. You see, if people have great knowledge, then they will have greater demands. You know, uh, last time, the, the drummers, we would not play flashy, I suppose. Uh, skill level, especially things like double pedal. I played double pedal in the day and it was like, wow, one of the few people that could play double mm. pedal, you know. You know why? Because most people couldn't afford a double pedal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's the realities of it, lah. You know, true, true. it's like one uh, one one fella had a double pedal, and then wow, pass around one. You know, you know, you you lend your double pedal to like, like five friends, six friends. You know, and it's kind of kind of ridiculous, but th those were the times, uh. So, uh, meeting the ethos is to to build a community where you actually have uh, the the equipment support that you have always dreamt of. You know. Uh, when I was a young gigging drummer, I would want, or if I played a gig, oh, how good if I had wonderful gear to play with. No, ah. some, not some crap backline kit, no, that wasn't even tuned, the skin's gonna break. Yeah. You know, so, so there was kind of a, kind of the vision behind it, no. And I really disliked the idea that we were really held prisoner by a couple of brands, and you could only buy from these brands. Yeah. It's either that, or they were super expensive, you know, so there had to be a, like a break in this chain, and so, I thought, you know, why don't we do ground up? We do target the best brands, the best drums out there, do our own version, put our own flair on it, you know, and then we could we could come up with something that we could be proud of and meet those needs at the same time. Wow. Okay. I'm very curious, like, so when Penten just, like, started, were there, like, a lot of resistance? Like, how, how, how did the local community, eh? Local I, brand drums, eh? Like, yeah, okay. So I wouldn't say it was resistance. It was really, um, people don't know what to expect, number one. Uh, so, you're an unknown quantity, you're untested. And so, re literally, I would have to like make appointments with people, uh, with drummers that I knew. Uh, one of them is Elfie Kim, one of my wow. good friends. We were like drummers of the same generation, you know, like play in indie bands of the time. So, I would meet up with, with guys and say, Hey bro, I started to make drums. I would like you to try it. You know, I'll, I'll pass them around, they'll bring it back and, you know, play with it for a while and then bring it back. Lah. You know, and then they would see the quality and see the build. I'll tell them about the specs. And what was really important at the time, I think is most people did not have the knowledge. You know, you can't demand something if you don't know why it's good. Yeah, true. Uh. Especially for like, I mean, like drums, like, how do you know what sounds good? Like, how do you know what yeah. sounds good? Yeah. So it, there was a but process of education. Yeah. You know, you really needed to invest time to educate the customer so that they could 
wow, that's good. That's what I want, you know. Then it became, I had to uh, do consultation with everybody to educate them, you know, I like, so, okay. So then I would begin with the process. Oh, what sound are you looking for? What looks are you looking for? What's your budget? You know, then we'll narrow it down to something and then you be a consultant to them. Like you became a solution provider. You know, this is what you want for this price. I think it could, it could really work, you know. Uh, and if at the end of the day, uh, my, my products are not suitable for you, I'll recommend something on the market for you. That's suitable to their That's needs. That's suitable la. to meet their yeah. needs. You know, so if, if I didn't need to be hard up about, oh, making a sale, it, doesn't, it wouldn't make sense because it's not what the drummer needs. You know, so so in order to have the information to do the consultation, right, you have to digest this mountain of stuff in here and deliver it in a simple and in a way that a consumer can understand and and kind of meet their needs lah in that way. So so in order to even make a sale, the whole infrastructure, the whole culture was not there. You know, so I had to like be very active on social media, pump the information out. You know, if people got it over the, the next few years, they might start to think of other alternatives other than the usual, you know. Mm. So it was, you know, you had to literally create an industry by yourself and change the local culture of how they understand drums, how they tune drums, why choose this drum skin, you know, why why use these cymbals, you know, why this wood, you know, and how to finish. Well, there were so many things, you know, I really became like a encyclopedia. Of things, and uh, that that was a really exciting time. I, every day I would just spend like 18 hours a day digesting information online. You know, read tuning bibles, watch uh, YouTube videos of uh, drum techs. You know, uh, the product demo videos of uh, companies. Then you look at DW videos. Wow, so slick! You know, minor symbols. Wow, so slick! You know, and uh, so you 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 learn you learn things, and yeah. So that was a real jump in knowledge, in knowledge for me. And but there's so much information out there, right? And yeah, so little time to talk with people, you really have to condense and find a have a method to talk with them about it. Okay. So you yeah, you had to create a whole industry by yourself. I think I also feel that the drummers should really know what they want before buying into the hype. Like I always use that word to myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't buy into the hype just because uh, people say it's like that or it's expensive means it's good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because yeah. you have to know like like what you said, you have to know the details and specs. Yeah. Cause sometimes, yeah. like honest to God, you do a blind test. You put, you put snares and you don't tell them what brand is it. When they hit, they will not know. Most people wouldn't know. Most people wouldn't know. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like they're just buying into the hype that yeah. this is better than this. That kind of thing. Yeah, but uh, that's uh, indicative of a problem, which is uh, their ears are not trained. They're yeah. not sensitive to these things because they don't know what they're looking for. Mm. Uh, the sound they're looking for is generic anyway. Yeah. So you have to consider other things other than sound. Uh, are you going to get portability yeah, is correct. one uh, the kind of sound that you want the volume that you want the look that you want how much you're willing to pay for it then we narrowed it down to, to things that people will actually want mm. so just being good uh, luxurious uh, doesn't mean that someone will buy it yeah true it, can, it just may not meet their needs now. or it may not meet the music that they play uh, yeah exactly so oh, it's a very expensive drum it, it just might suck in your genre <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, true story at the time so Dane has like a black, black beauty. Dane have la. Yeah. Dane have la. He has some black beauty. So we Shout out like to Dane. Someone, <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone gave it. Huh? Yeah, someone like, gifted. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a very nice name. The yeah. one with the parallel strainer. Very so, chim. Oh yeah, the Ludwig. The Ludwig, yeah. Ludwig. Yeah, so like we recorded it like for his band session. That then, was like, a steal. Actually, that was some good. He got another snare, the Tama. 
I think SLP Yes Oh, that one sounds damn good Then you put the bad beauty It's just, I don't know, just damn bringy Okay, so my assessment of that situation, right Is that the snare assembly and the snare wires is not suitable for the genre Yeah, yeah, so exactly But the snare drum is very desirable It's a very exclusive and hard to get drum But it's just not suitable Yeah, maybe for his genre, it doesn't fit Yeah, it doesn't fit the style It's not like instantly you buy $2,000 snare Then definitely sound better than Miraculously, you sound better? No Hence the knowledge thing, like what you said lah. People need to be educated about the drum part. They need the education. Their ears are not sensitized to what they want. And a lot of times people, I realize people don't know what they want. And when they come to you, they're kind of asking you, Hey, teacher, can you tell me what I want? Just tell me what. Give me something. Can you propose something to me? Or they're too afraid to commit to say, this is what I want. I think also people won't like critically like, let's say they test something like once then, then they don't critically analyze on the spot. Then they jump to conclusions, then you form like false conclusion like that. Yeah, yeah. Then it's quite But also, I would say that there are a couple of important things. You know, people say they, you hear with your eyes. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, wow, you know, the drum looks so good. It has to sound good. Yeah, yeah, this impression. I mean, that's one of the things about aesthetics. What's important to the drama, you know? Sometimes it has to look good for a placebo effect. Like you look, the snare look good, right? Then you think that, okay, in your mind you feel good when you play. Yeah. Some people would prefer that. Like I, I mean, I was one of them. Like it needs to look good for me. It needs to look good. So, so people have different priorities, right? Like some people, like like say you play in a very flashy, flashy kind of band, and the looks was most important. Then you might go with a flashy drum, like an acrylic, acrylic drum with LED lights and. You know, that will be suitable lah. Yeah, I think also like computer plugins. Ah, some plugins are like like them lousy lah. Then then like you think like this plugin like made by some five year old kid. The GUI, the knobs are also ugly. Then you see like some flashy nice plugin, you think it sounds better. Same thing ah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but the drama very important. So like we have this. Uh, recently just bought like not recently ah, but the Pearl Vini Paws and then like we okay we we like like we non drummers ah, we thought okay just hit hard ah, sound good. But the snare just hit hard ah, just sound very cracky, no body ah. So recently like like Junaidi came over. Oh, it's a huge snare right? It's a fourteen by eight. Fourteen by eight. Oh, like spike lugs I think right? Spike lugs and the snake skin. Look very metal and the snake skin. Look very metal but no strength right? Yeah, but so like recently like Junaidi came over and like he he played the kit ah, the Pearl Vini Paws. Then he did some tuning to it, then suddenly what? Sounded damn good. Because I'm playing like non-metal stuff. So it's a drummer lah. It's a drummer. Now we can play then like, we also play then we try to win shot every shot then like 50% hit rate then. Then you play. The snare, no, if you don't hit win shot like exactly like properly consistent. Yeah, you won't get the nice pop, right? Sounds damn bad. Yeah, so my my must control. Apparently, like yeah, it's quite important lah. Drummers control also. Yeah. Affect the the yeah the consistency. Yeah. The and the final product. I mean. I uh, when in my drum tuning workshops, I always tell people that there are, you know, when you generate the sound, there are a few factors that go into it. One is the, the drummer. Then the second is the implement he hits it with, which is the stick. Then is first thing he hits is the skin. Then the skin. Then you go to shell. You know. Then you go to microphone. Then you go to DAW or something like that. So there's a whole process. Right? And every at every point, something can screw up. You know, for it to sound good, everything needs to. Be good, including the drummer. Yeah, how how he hits, you know. So then, I'm not the greatest drummer on earth, but certainly you can tell somebody how to hit, you know, to get a better sound. Yeah. So if you hit like, you want a very sensitive snare, you know, you want a certain sound, but then you hit hit like a quan like that, very hard. Yeah. Like guitar, I call it beach beach picking. 
<laughs> but yeah. I don't know, like, round, go back to just now, talking about building the whole community thing. So actually, I, uh, I don't see Pentium very supportive of local acts. Mm-hmm. But also, I think, I don't know if a lot of people know, like, you're also quite involved as time in, like, local music scene, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I played in uh, several bands <coughs> at my craziest. I had seven... Seven at one time. Seven music projects in, in, in university. And, and basically, I would, like, it's like 100% committed to playing music. But I also knew that I probably would not do music full-time. Okay. Yeah, but when I had the time in as an undergraduate, uh, I made the most of it. Lah. So I had several bands working with uh, individual songwriters. Mm. And I wasn't very discerning. Lah. I wasn't like, um, oh, your music not good enough. I don't play with you. No, it was like oh. anyone. You know, and it was just the, the, the whole idea of exploration and... And the indie scene at the time, well, of course, was much, much different. Uh. You know, it's, I, I don't quite know how to dis- describe it, the difference between then and now, but uh, it had a certain kampong feel. Uh-huh. Uh, I think people weren't really, people were more, uh, found songwriting more important. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, okay. I get what you mean. You, you, you can mean people wrote albums. They didn't write singles. They were think of a whole concept for the album and think about that. You know, lyrical content was important, and uh, technical skill was really not such a big thing. You know, and, uh, yeah. because we had limitations, uh, Like I said, uh, probably Singaporeans at the time weren't weren't super rich. You know, like you had an Ibanez guitar, you know, or something like that. You know, wow, how many boss pedals do you have? Boss, yeah. Boss, you know. Uh, <laughs> Like every jamming studio uh, would have a couple of boss, sorry, boss pedals, you know, for sale, you know. It's like it's, yeah, so I uh, I played with many bands and um, uh, many of them were local university bands. I jammed with a bunch of older gentlemen who were 18 years older than me, but we played progressive rock. <laughs> it's, it's weird, but but I was very committed. I would like so so in the in in a week, I would have seven or eight band practices wow. so i could have what like really? two yeah i really sold out for for, for the music wow. you know and so that's how you you get the community feeling because you were in it you know, then then i over time i got into better and better bands uh, there was even uh, this band called retro groove oh, last time oh. uh, not the current one oh. it's, the, it's the old retro groove which was uh i actually had to have band rehearsals in jb wow. Wow. You know, so that, and that was the story of why I always had my passport with me. <laughs> because every week on Friday, I would go to Jurong. Uh, my, my friend would pick me up, then we would take the car to JB, and then we would wow. rehearsal there. And then we would come back late at night, and then resume a normal day the next day. Good. So you come back on the same day? Same la. night. Shit. So we like had rehearsal for like three hours. And then we drive back. And most of us <laughs> complain need to go Woodlands Jam. Really <laughs> ah, so I think dif- different level of commitment, <laughs> yeah. you know. And at the time, I think I was 21. Oh, okay. Wow. 22, exactly. maybe. So were your bandmates Malaysians or you all uh, went there? Cause... Two of them were Malaysians. Oh, then you all jammed at their house. Jam at their house. Okay. You know, uh, so they like, like, and we had to go at night because you would have a full day of work in Singapore. Then go home to his studio at home every day, you know. So so that was, uh, and then after that, uh, I joined the band Ugly in the Morning, and at the time they they had been uh, quite high profile. At the time they had won some competitions, you know, Yamaha Band Alert, 
you know that you know those at that time it was like wow you know Yamaha you know. and uh, like we would always go to watch those competitions and check out who's the top band now you know who's yeah, the I best drummer know. for you know yeah. last time quite, quite like band competition quite yeah it was like, quite a thing they were a thing you know battle uh, the bands and yeah and it was important because people would like get themselves good mm. they will work for it they want to win the competition you know and you can't just like prepare two songs and just chong the competition with two songs you know <laughs> okay, yeah, songs, yeah. Like, yeah <laughs> you, you can't write so you have to like you know work on hey guys let's work on eight songs so that we can go through each level of competition you know uh, so I mean, of course not all the bands I joined were great uh, but it did not matter like, at the time it was more about creativity it was an outlet you know when you play your own originals and being able to play some super technical metal and writing your own stuff is completely different, yeah. you know. And yeah, so the commitment to the indie scene. So I played in Again in the Morning for uh, eleven years, uh, and then uh, due to you no know, personal personal uh, issues, I had to I had to leave the band. And then at that time, Pantheon was already coming up. You know, I had done Pantheon for about four years. At that point, we were really growing, and so I decided to put all my effort into making the drums rather than being the guy behind the drums. You know? Actually, I just go back to just now what you said about the comparison between last time or community, the local music scene more kampong. But now, okay, what's your observation now? What do you okay, see so, the difference? Okay, I'm, I'm sure last time there was the bitchiness and the politics uh. and, and all, but it, it seemed, I don't know, I don't, perhaps a little less malicious. I'm not saying that now it's like, uh. like super toxic or what. I think it depends. I think it was a little bit kampong because, you know, there were very few places for gigs, you know, and like, last time, you know, youth park, which I think nobody yeah. goes to now, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, but in, back in the day, though, if you had a gig at youth park, you kind of like made it, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, wow, you know, our band, oh, we can play youth park, oh, I'm very happy already, you know? You know, and uh, so it was like, then it became, now now you have things like Esplanade and all that. So now, I maybe the market had changed, right? If you play Esplanade, wow, you made it, you know? Uh, we made it to Bay Beats, hey, we made it. <laughs> You know, uh, so so the, the perception has changed, but uh, I think effectively we're still... <coughs> yeah, it's just morphed a bit, but the spirit of it is the same. Yeah, because I asked that question, because like, we also want to... Like, what we want to do is also create like a community. La. Mm. I think you're, like, what you're doing also... Patreon always, always like, share like, local music acts and kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. I want to see how we can make that like, community more like... But now what you see is like, very... All different clicks. Uh. Yeah. Very, a bit like segregated, your genre play that, you know, yeah. that we never interact with all. Then yeah. better or better. Correct, and, correct, like, correct. So a bit, you know, still very segregated. But really, if you want community or all, just music. Uh, mm. Same, make our whole ecosystem be... Yeah. That'd be the ideal vision. Uh, my... My idea is that if you leave it unguided, unity will not happen. Right, right, yeah. So you need a person to deliberately organize something that brings people together. You need leadership. You need someone to, you know, a few people to raise their hands and say, we are, we are going to do it. You know, if you leave it to their own nature, it's not going to happen. You know, like the natural tendency is the inertia. I stick with my own people. Unless you, you know, and uh, maybe Singaporeans are very uh, averse to discomfort, you know. It can be seen like, like students go exchange and like we see them say mm. with their same Singaporean clique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Compared so to like, like fearful, right? Like overseas students come to Singapore, they're more open mm. to like mingle with them. Yeah. I mean, to me, this is a problem of the uh, the Singaporean culture, Singaporean mm. culture in general of Singaporeans, you know. Like. I think a bit also like how we brought up also like, like yeah, our yeah, education yeah. system. It, we are a product of the, the system we, we grew up in, yeah. right? So if the system is very... Uh, risk adverse, averse, you know, then you will, everyone will play it safe. The education is very safe. 
uh, the opportunities for work, I have to be very safe also. And, uh, and so people generally don't take risks if they can. So uh, there will be a few trailblazers and people who are willing to stick themselves out there and come guys, let's make the change. You know, and, uh, and so I decided to be one of those who pasang. Uh, if nobody did it, I would try and do it. You know, uh, just like the drums. Uh, if nobody made the drums in Singapore, I would try and make the drums. Am I the best person for it? You know, there are a ton more skilled carpenters who could do, that, do this easily, but I, in the end, I was the one who, who did it with my partner and, you know. So I think it ultimately it depends on who is willing to step up to the plate and do something. Even recently, during this whole uh, COVID thing, you know, there's this, this uh, group of uh, companies that really, really wanted the help. Uh, you know, uh, in that support COVID support group for musicians, uh, they'll be like, DT Mics, you know, uh, AT, you know, uh, City Music is definitely one of them. You know, and, and so a couple of us were, were roped in and then we just felt that we had to do something. And again, all these initiatives won't work if we didn't like step up to the plate. Nobody doing, we better do our do it by ourselves. Yeah. So that's I think that's the spirit that needs to be developed more la. But people need to be encouraged to do it, and they generally want to see someone do it first. Yeah. Uh, then they will like, okay, yeah, I have you. Yes, I think I should do this. Yeah. After a while, they'll catch it, and then they will do it. So you need the first movers. Yeah. Show the way. The rest will catch the idea, the dream. I believe a lot of the millennials, the young people, they want to contribute to a bigger dream, they want to be useful, they want to make their life count. And so if they see the OGs do it, they say, I also want to do. And then, then the OGs can support the young people and say, okay, I will support you in doing this. That has to be that whole ecosystem of support. La. Yeah, exactly. This, yeah, this is just, yeah, pretty much sum up everything really. <laughs> but it's really lucky, lucky, lucky they have like Pantheon, like, like yourself to support all of us, like, you know, weird, stupid. Ideas and yeah, then, that's why. Yeah, so, so quite quite grateful lah. I think back then probably you say like five ten years ago, don't get drum kit or you have to go buy your own drum kit or what. Yeah, yeah. The only real way was to book a studio or yeah. buy your own kit. Uh, but you know, uh, so if you take certain pain points away from people, then yeah, you know there will be more drummers. Yeah. There'll be more music getting out there, you know, even if it's a small thing like, oh, I lend you a drum set, right, right. Yeah. it begins from there. So I think now the mindset has changed a bit. Last time people used to keep their, reserve their secrets to themselves. Resources to yeah. themselves, yeah. But now these people, I think they are open, you know, like, okay, if I give out all the secrets, right, it's actually in the long run, it kind of like generates that, like what we say, make more drummers, mm. people more interested in drums, eventually they'll think that you as like a, uh, the authority in the field, la, the way mm. authority is maybe drum making or drum, so they really respect more. So, and people tend to, I think people are more open to that kind of concept nowadays. So, there's, it's not really a zero sum game, la. it's more like. Yeah, yeah. You, you got to give some to, to yeah. get some, actually. You know, and if you put in put in something, actually, it will grow exponentially. You'll become bigger than, than you really imagine. Yeah, you know, like there's longer reaching effects than you first thought. Yeah. You know, so it, it does begin with small seeds. La. So that's what we are trying to do also. Like just kind of create content, give value to people, then like see, yeah, you know, yeah. eventually something good will come yeah. back. Hopefully it sparks something when the, they are watching it and realize, oh, they can do it. I think maybe I should try also. Then like we can inspire more levels of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. from somewhere actually. It does, it does. Yeah. Uh, and uh, like for example, some of the musicians that are great now, mm. they, uh, a lot of them have the tendency uh, to be children of great musicians uh -huh. also you know so and then uh, for example Adam Shah shared with me last time uh, people ask, ask Adam hey why, why is your drumming so good you know and, and say it's because of my parents uh -huh. you know that 
I'm here really because of my parents. That that their ceiling is my floor. I began like that on their shoulders. You know, so that was pretty profound. You know. Okay. Yeah. So so it is. It, it doesn't happen overnight. Mm. You know, you you to create the next great drama, you might need several generations of it. And if you don't begin to build that ecosystem now, it's not going to happen. Mm. You get yeah, me? Mean, it's it's beyond my generation already. You know, like for example, I will never be the greatest drummer out there. But you can be the first one to create a to create the next. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I think that that makes a a huge difference. Very deep. So you need someone to create the next generation of producers, no? But no, next generation will be AI. Already. <laughs> <laughs> so it's only phasing us out. AI return yeah. metal, right? I saw some wow weird yeah, stuff, man. Yeah, but, but ultimately, but cool. yeah, But ultimately, songwriting still, I think, have to be like come from the individual, yeah. The story, whatever behind the music. Like yeah. actually, Mick Thompson, and uh, Mick Gordon, Mick Gordon, Mick Gordon, Gordon uh, the yeah, 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 yeah. So he said that actually, his idea of making music, right? Is like he believes that music should be tied to a cultural event or story or something. So don't just be. He doesn't quite believe like writing songs just for right sake of writing songs. That's yeah. why he tried to like tie to a cultural event like. Gaming, yeah, like, that gives the music the yeah, context. Some, yeah, gives some correct context. Context of the music very more much more important than yeah. Just yeah. writing good songs for itself. the sake of it. Yeah. yeah. Or more why why you write the music like, like more reason uh, Yeah, yeah. More backstory yeah. everything. Exactly, you know. Yeah. We we need that like, <coughs> We need that. I think yeah. and people maybe need to think deeper mm. about why they they write music. You know and yeah yeah. These are all good conversations that we we need to have like, with yeah. the musicians. Yeah, even like as like producing music, so we, over time we also just try to avoid like okay, we just want to get good sounds, good drum sound, kick, kick snare. But I think it goes much more than that lah. Mm. Going beyond the, just uh, how good it sounds are. Mm. Really, the context of the song, people need to start to realize that hey, actually those songs are really made impact because they probably have some like important story to it or mm-hmm. context mm-hmm. Are, not just an infectious group or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one has really has more like, yeah longer lasting impact lah. Yeah, it definitely makes for a richer. Music experience, lah. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've been drinking water from just now. No. <laughs> three, three cups only. Yeah. Uh, no, no, two cups only. Uh, this is not. This is not my. Who's this? Eh, is this mine? No, it's not mine. Not my man. Okay, but now so one of the last thing I want to talk about is like, in this current like sort of COVID situation, which I think probably not gonna improve any anytime soon. Not anytime soon. Yeah. So I don't know what kind of. What do you think, like musicians? Or what do you think? What do you think musicians, artists should? Uh, I I really think that. Musicians need to be flexible, uh-huh. and uh, stop waiting for someone to save them. Okay. You know, uh, really, uh, that Singaporeans really should work towards not having a victim mentality. Uh-huh. You know, when uh, oh man, I've been dealt a bad hand. You no, know, and I'm gonna sit here and wait for someone to give to to help me. And uh, or you can feel bitter or what? It's it's natural. You know, but uh, after a while, you know, we can snap out of it. No, I mean, but I'm talking about this from my ivory tower, lah. Hey, yeah. you got no right to talk about this, ah. Huh? You got, uh, you got good life, blah 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 blah. But uh, and and to to the people on the ground who are doing who are doing the main suffering, I think a lot of musicians have been doing things out of their comfort zone. You know, like I, I know. Uh, some people that you know took up all the the swabbing jobs, the you know the all kinds of other jobs to to get by. I think Singaporeans are tougher than that. You know, uh, we if we see that our friends are doing it, we will try to do it. We also try. You know, like you know, even though they're risk averse, but if someone starts the ball rolling, we will do a good job of it. So I really think that musicians should uh, be self starters. You know, and uh, don't be hard up about the past because the past is gone. You know, and instead of 
maybe we got to be flexible. You know, last time maybe, oh, maybe I could do 100% music all the time and only play. Now I just have to do it 50-50, you know. Uh, or I have to do something else for the time being, you know. Uh, we, it doesn't mean I'm not going to come back. doesn't mean like uh, I sell all my equipment and uh, I know I'm not ever going to come back. I'm jaded and disillusioned about it and heck it lah. It shouldn't be like that, you know. And, and for the people that do, we got to be there to support them, you know, and, and understand that everyone's suffering, everybody needs support, uh, everyone needs a helping hand, even though they don't ask for it, you know, and we just do our part to, you know, you know, if like you nudge people along, you know, you're on a, you know, the last time they will be at this uh, big walk, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah, legends at that one. Legendary, big walk. Or, or even things like Army Half Marathon, you know, and everybody's kind of like, give up, I want to slow down, I want to stop running, right? Yeah, yeah. Then, and what do you do? Hey guys, come on, come on. You know, push a bit, hey, come on, run together, run with me, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the idea of camaraderie is is going to be super important. It's, just, it's an opportunity for us to, to pull together, actually. So you can react to it by being extra bitchy, or you can react to it by pulling together. So everyone on the same boat then, instead of like complaining that the boat is sinking, you must well just like try Help to, to roll. Like, fix it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody fix it together, yeah, like, in a way, like, yeah, help yeah. each other out. Everybody just chip in. Save each other, you know. Yeah. It'll be a better scene. It's what musicians should do. True, but what? Have I answered all your questions? <laughs> I can go longer, la. I can go longer, but if I, I think... Sure, we can go longer. No, you need to ask all these weird questions, man. Now the serious topic over here, I throw it. Now yeah, it's the non-serious stuff. Yeah. Controversial, controversial, controversial <laughs> <laughs> What do you think of live musicians doing live streaming? Uh, what do I think of live streaming? Live streaming in the early days of COVID uh, was commendable and a brief attempt at still playing the music. But I think because the situation was developing, we weren't sure that how long would this thing uh, last. And I think at the start of the, the lockdown, people were still like hopeful that there will be a vaccine. But actually, no, eh, vaccines take years to take to prepare, like real, real proper vaccines, you know. So, so once we got into this deep pile of shit, uh, uh, we, are in, we are in it for the long run already. So I think a lot of people tried to do their best, but with the idea that it might be temporary. I think now there's, that hope has gone, that ship has sailed already. So we really need to change this whole thing. Uh, my belief is that arts, the arts, right, music, fine art, whatever, should be supported not by consumers, but by businesses and government. Arts management, arts development and should be, it, it, it is the duty of the politicians to support. You want to develop culture in your people, it comes from money from the government really. If not, the industries need to do their part and put in money. You know? If not, when, how are you going to have a, an art show, you know, uh, for the for society for the better of society, you ask the consumer to pay. Uh. it won't happen, you know. You get I me mean, not. Uh. So you, it has to come from on top. And and so the musicians were brave in trying their best. And but you see the ones that really sustain themselves, they survive on funding. Why they could continue to do the shows is because come, they got sponsors. You know, I sponsor twelve episodes. You get I me. Mean? And and in those twelve episodes, your musicians get paid. You know, your uh, venue is covered your costs are covered, you actually have a take-home salary. No matter how short-term it is, la, it may be only 12 episodes, but it's 12 episodes. You know, so so those that really are able to sustain were the, the people that could secure business funding. If you depend on, on tips from people, it's going to be very difficult. 
and the trend was that the that keeping had gone down, you know, and as people get more used to this environment, and then after a while, people just take it for granted. Oh, and there's gonna be free music online anyway. Why why go to the show? You know, like, it's so good. It's so it's so convenient. People are doing it for free. The value of music will never go up. You know, so it is is um. Unfortunately, if this carries on, we will kill the scene. It will no longer be a viable career path playing at night in in a in a club or venue. We are killing ourselves. You know, but there's no central way of pulling all the musicians together and say, hey guys, let's not do free stuff anymore. There's always going to be a few people that are panning as I do for free. Yeah, yeah correct. You, you get me now? Yeah. So there's no, like, like uh, what do you call it? Uh, union. There's no such thing as a musician's uh, like union. You need to act together. Yeah. There's no governing body. And really, the only union that could work is the one run by a government. Yeah, correct. You're right or not? I mean, if there's no top-down idea that we want to protect our musicians, it's not going to happen. You are going to leave it to market forces and market forces want cheap yeah. or free. You get me now? So it, it, it's tricky. Uh, I think a lot of it's really set. The musicians are in for a hard time. It will continue to, so they really need to change their game plan. Yeah. yeah. You know, so live streaming on Facebook is not sustainable. Mm. They, have to, they have to change. We have to figure out a solution. I don't have a solution. We should figure it out. Yeah. I think that's a hard skill to solo for all people. Yeah, it's a very hard skill. I think it's also a deeper question. Like, I say about like the consumer not paying versus like government support, all these. You think about it like music as a product, like in order to sell to consumers. Mm. If you think about it as a like more capitalistic market, like if you see what the market demands, then you can provide the supply. Yeah, okay, so if you if you have a kind of a capitalist or commercial approach to music, you only get one kind of music. Yeah, that's why. So like... Uh, you know, so, and you don't want it to skew towards that and you lose all the other... Yeah. The depth or, and richness of your culture, musical cultures, right? Yeah. You know, uh, if the, the cultural groups will not survive without government funding. Right now. So if there's no, again, no top-down management of the situation and you're going to let market forces take over, you only get... I don't know, pop. Yeah. You know, it's gonna be pop metal, pop music, pop classical, you know, sit Chinese orchestras converting to play pop Chinese music. <laughs> Everything has to be pop because like oh because nobody else understands deep music. You get I me? Mean? Everybody has a very shallow understanding of music. You know, and that that does not deepen music education. Yeah. So you it's quite it. hurtful to the the culture if like, we just leave it to market demand. Yeah, it's like, just gonna yeah, we're just gonna vaporize. Like, I think Singapore as a country is quite like symbolized the whole thing uh. like we just leave everything to market, we just be very practical, everything is like we want efficiency, like we don't have a lot of culture, that's why. Uh. Yeah, so so people want the fast, fast way to, to get music, but you know there's this or they focus on that one tree, yeah. you know, but there's really a, a forest. And in order to cultivate the whole forest, you really need to put in the resources. Yeah. But also like a lot of a lot of grassroots things need to happen. There's yeah. way too many factors. Uh, like hard to get permit to do like entertainment license, all these things. Yeah, like, yeah. The blue jazz also can close down, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. They don't have all these small places that is like providing all the grassroots supports to all the music arts yeah. and like all the smaller underground places. And you really cannot survive really. So it's like Yeah, there, yeah. There, I mean there was there were many articles in the uh, music magazines that, that really said that 
highlighted the importance of the small venues. Yeah. Without the small venues, you would not get the bands that could play in the big venues. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, if you didn't have the like 30% gigs, you wouldn't, you would never get the 200%, few yeah. thousand people gigs, you know. Like government building, spend money, build like all those mid-level Esplanade, the new yeah. Esplanade venue, the what, 300, 500 people. Yeah, How are you yeah. going to play there when like, we can't even sell a $50, yeah, 50% gig? Are you not going to jump like springboard straight to the 500 person correct? Yeah. Either, so, but I, I think the, the government have been very focused on the big projects, the yeah. visible projects. And it's not really the fault, uh, but it's just the way it is at the moment. Uh, yeah. You know, and what it really requires is maybe they can handle the big projects and, and then clear the way or make it easier to get funding for the middle and, and small size projects. I mean, I'm talking in a vacuum here. La, and no, there's no government person here for me to talk to. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, the other side. I think got a bit of funding for like EPs and stuff, but not, not, not easy to get. Yeah, so, like, so, which is why I believe that the small and medium size opportunities need to be provided by corporations, like by businesses. businesses that can benefit from from this, they need to be vested in the scene, you know, uh, or they need to pull their weight. Because if you don't have the the scene, you have no customers. You get me now? You don't you don't inspire the next generation of guitar players. There's no people selling guitars next time. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah, true. Who wants to yeah, Who wants to buy a guitar next time? Uh, I just see online for free. You know, you, you get me now? No, yeah. nobody to be inspired. Oh, I want to play like that, like Hello. that dude. You know, you get me. So it, it, it really is an ecosystem, but there's something missing in the link in the chain somewhere. You know, and some of the chains are weak and you really need to beef them up and fill the gap with ground up grassroots level uh, yeah. work. So like the whole COVID team really accelerated the whole yeah, process it, of it going even like downhill. Yeah, I mean it brought it brought out the worst and, and best in, in humanity la, really. You know, uh, so it, that's why the whole thing sped up. La. Yeah, it just accelerated everything. La. Like, like mm. some people were like barely surviving. Maybe like they own a small venue barely so right now it's like you just cannot survive anymore. Close down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, mean, I, people had to take a good hard look at themselves and without without judgment, you know, this is this how people had been comfortable and uh, it, it's all understandable. But you know, when the situation suddenly changes, you know, you're aware that okay, I need to have a different game plan. You know, it really brought a lot of problems to light, uh, you know, and it definitely made it worse for certain people. Yeah. You know, all the all the the data that comes out say is saying that. Uh, the people that were worst hit are from the lower income bracket, you know, and, and really the people that have been drawing good salaries or the richer people, they're not affected at all almost. Yeah, yeah it, it is the, the working class people that are really feeling the pinch, you know, and so the game plan needs to change and our society needs to be more equitable. Uh. So we, we want these gigs to happen, we want things to happen, people need to step up. Grassroots level gigs are most important right now. Because if you don't have gigs, right, a lot of bands have no reason to exist, you know. That's quite true. That's very true. You get me now? Wow, we exist to play gigs. No gigs, oh, break up, long. <laughs> you know, uh, gig practice for what? Jam for what? Write songs for what? I, I, yeah. I sell my guitar, la, like that. I don't need to play guitar. I got no band, what? You, you get me now? So it could be, it, I'm just afraid that if we don't do things like this, like the scene will disappear. Already we have locations disappear. Once they disappear, if we don't even organize e-gigs, there's really no reason for the in this scene to exist almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, deep philosophical things that we need to consider, you know. This is the new normal. The new normal, the new and normal what, is what, you, what you're going to do about it, you yeah, know. Man. Uh, so, nobody is exempt. La. Nobody is miraculously exempt from COVID. Everybody will be hit. Just got to do something about it. La.
Yeah. Damn. Deep. Um, have I quite find like the cur like the best best thing to do? Like one, there's no one size solution to, to no. solve this. Uh. It's really very hard to. It has to be fully custom. Mm. You need your survival plan. Mm. It cannot be a cookie cutter plan that the government yeah. park on you or you take somebody else's plan and, correct, correct. and use it. You can't. It just doesn't You need to do yeah. it to your individual context. Yeah. So now it's like a whole new situation now. We're charting our new path already. So like, do you have any blueprint you can follow now? There's none. Yeah, this is the first yeah. time this yeah, is happening, this, you know? Yeah. I mean, last time you, 10 years ago, without this, we still can like, look to other countries, see like what other countries yeah, are doing, yeah, follow yeah. their process. But, but now, now everyone can now. Now the whole world yeah, can yeah. now. <laughs> so everyone needs to really chart their own course. How are, how are, how are. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, you're yeah, trying yeah. to live streaming, we're going to try it first. I also think eh, actually not. Uh, I mean, we personally think like, okay, live streaming, I think it's a good platform, but then for musicians, they're not using the, the full value of live streaming. Mm. Like we, it's like no different from watching a YouTube video of live performance. Or, mm. So then why, why do live streaming? Like, what's the value what's add? Like, what's the value no, it, it, uh, what needs to happen <coughs> is a uh, concerted effort by the industry uh. to pull together to do it. So for example, uh, in Norway, they have this thing called VR Live. V-I-E-R Live. Uh, so uh, people like Leprous, uh, okay. they hold online ticketed gigs. On that same platform, you will have an uh, orchestra mm -hmm. doing a ticketed gig. So this is their national level ticketed platform for online gigs. Oh, okay. They will leave it up for a certain period of time. If you pay, you watch. You know, and then after that, they will take it down. They'll encourage people not to record the damn thing. La, you know, yeah. but... Uh, but yeah, sometimes you will appear. But at least it secures... Uh, a base income for the people who put in the time to perform for you. You know, the production values that value that went into the the whole recording of the show, you know, the cameras, the crew, all still need to happen and it's just on an online platform. Really the gigs should not change. They should carry on and they need to be ticketed. So we, we need more people to organize e-gigs, get themselves organized, maybe find a way to do a national level platform to do these gigs. Like Via via life. But I saw the Stick. Is this Stick doing something like? Oh, yeah, they are. Ticketed yeah. online gigs, but it's not really catching on. So you see a lot of the uh, the things that happen in other countries can't really apply here. Oh, very hardly. Like, yeah. So someone has a good spare here. Okay, we're gonna do a very thirty dollar ticketed gig, but then super high production no, value. No, but, but okay. Yeah. Reality is okay. So for example, you see in person, right? If you did a, a recording. Yeah you get paid a certain amount of money, right? Mm. Fairly high, I suppose. But you put it on Fiverr. Uh. Then it's like people do tracking for you for like five bucks. <laughs> you know, so so it's like the, the whole rate has uh. been depressed. So if you do an online gig, you cannot charge $20 lah. Okay. Also because your costs have gone down, right? You don't need to... Mm. You, you can't charge $20 for a gig anymore. So, but can you charge $5? I think it's possible. Mm -hmm. You get what I mean? Uh, and just to be sensitive to market rate and what people would be willing to pay for for a digital gig. I mean, they don't get the full sweaty experience, you know. You know, they don't get to go and buy merch. You know, the whole experience of like, you know, crowd killing or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually. Correct. You know, but at least they get to watch the music and uh, the bands may not get the money, but it's encouraging. You know, what, what you're doing is you're giving, you're giving a bit of hope. Yeah. A reason to carry on and do the next gig. You know, so if we don't even do the digital gigs, we are going to have a problem next time. In the yeah. future, it will just be like going down, 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 until it's gone. La. Until it's gone. Yeah, which is saddening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it will take a while to to research. I think people will find a way, you know, to get back. But grassroots level action by individuals and small groups needs to happen. Mm. Shout out to Tone House, Basement Studio also. 
or doing all these e-gigs. Yeah. It's something. It's, been it's something, yeah. you know. Uh, it, uh, maybe the indie gigs, I'm, I don't, don't kill me, uh, but maybe the indie gig can be free, you know, and uh, they just uh, market themselves and their independent music. Oh. And they, they market for likes, for eyeballs on, on and market ears on the music. La, market for stream. Yeah. Yeah. Can be free gig and you sell merch. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Correct, correct. Merch you sell also 30 bucks and you earn. I mean, I would say merch is the, the biggest way to earn money now, yeah. right? For a band. Yeah. Almost like the rest is the, the show is. Yeah. Practically free, you So it's a method to upsell. If you don't even have that platform, you got nothing. Something is better than nothing at this point, you know. Innovate a bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Basement just started their metal, the local metal gig, yeah. right? Which is cool, you know, at least it's something. Those are really live, live stream, right? Yes, yeah. live, live, live. Also, oh, they set up, also, you will see them setting up because I didn't. I didn't watch. Oh, yeah. I only watched a bit I, of television, vision. Like, during the changeover, they interview. Only interview, yeah, uh, okay, so, uh, yeah. Because like some of the live streams, right? They say it's live lah, but then it's actually pre-recorded, yeah, yeah, yeah. being shot like some. And recently they had a Wakan show, so I don't know whether you saw, okay. but it's uh, live Wakan, but then like there's no crowd. Oh. Yeah, because I was watching oh. Eskimo Callboy playing, <laughs> then they were like, everybody, I want you all to just jump, but then the, there's nobody in the crowd. It's them cool uh, yet, yet weird in a way. Yeah, but, yeah. but if you don't do the crowd interaction, yeah, correct. it's just not a gig anymore. Correct, correct. You're, doing a, think... you're doing an album day through, you know? It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. weird. Yeah. So I think it's quite cool also lah, by them uh, hyping up the crowd, even though they know that the crowd is actually online. Uh, yeah, yeah, cool, yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely saw some uh, metal bands also do full live. Uh, yeah, Trivium. Trivium just got a yeah, 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 yeah. hangar space just to, like, just to do, do, do live streaming. Yeah, 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 yeah. Inspired by Happening, uh. Matt Hiffey. Yeah. Matt Hiffey, yeah. yeah. Matt Hiffey said that his, his bulk of his income come from streaming. Eh. More than his, that means he got a lot of streams. Eh. He got, he got a lot of subscribers eh. on Twitch. Yeah, so if musicians can catch on to this uh, yeah, new source of earning money, yeah. yeah, you got to be digital savvy lah. Yeah. You know, then uh, unfortunately a lot of people will be left behind. Right. So I like, I like uh, Ching. I like Ching's approach on like, he went on all the social media, he went on TikTok, he went to do vlogs. So he's smart and critic in the way that he's doing all kinds of channels to kind of get uh, like viewership yeah. or eyeballs no, on him. But the overall reason why Ching is successful in his transition is willingness to do something Yeah, different. correct. Willingness to do something different. Willingness, yeah. you know, like, okay, I can't see any situation anymore. I can't, you know, be static. If I'm static, I'm actually drowning. I need to do something. Do something. At and least do something. Which la. is what he did. Yeah. Now, will it be the biggest and uh, like, like do a TikTok video? Or, uh, are you going to monetize on TikTok? Uh, no, yeah. la, but you, you do it because you it's a learning process. Correct, Heck, yeah. even I have done a TikTok. I know. <laughs> <laughs> tried now I'm like, still, I want contemplating whether to start a TikTok. Yeah, but, some but ideas in there, but. It's, it, it was a learning experience, yeah. you know, like say, what the hell is this TikTok about? You know, try not to come, to come, you know, oh, okay, okay. At least I know what the hell it's about, you know, so that if anyone asks me about TikTok, oh, no, yeah, the filter, you know, that. It's, it's not, it's not Greek, you know. Uh, am I going to do another TikTok? I doubt it, but. No, like, you do one TikTok dance, you tuning drums, you confirm get a lot of hits on. Got a lot of quite interesting, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some boy is this guy, he, I think he cleaned PC, and, Mm. So just do TikTok of him cleaning PC and show all like very dirty. What lao is solid. I got some is like they fix cars, so they do TikTok on. Yeah, I mean, I mean there are also those TikTok dramas, you know, like spray paint on the drums and just whack, whack with paint every TikTok. 
and wow, lots of hits. Yeah, I just TikTok now the organic the organic growth very like it's like last Sudden, time early right? Facebook. Eh. Uh, very, yeah, very organic, you know. They really yeah. like go yeah. like viral kind of views. Yeah, so very fast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, that's the future, lah. You know, but but also I believe TikTok will is another flash in the pan. Yeah, it will really yeah. rise up very fast. Use it while it's there. Yeah, that's why. That's why the, now is the yeah. The, like last time was vines or something like that. Vine, like, yeah, yeah. The vine, you no, know, then boof, it disappeared. That's not Facebook also. Facebook also used to be like very, you can go, like your post can go organically very yeah, easily. Yeah, but Facebook is for uncles now. Yeah, uh, now it's like, you know, it's Instagram, <laughs> yeah. Instagram. No, no, Facebook is for, for like the young people when they grow up, then they go Facebook. <laughs> when you get legit, you know, you do Facebook. You know, like I got a job, I, I want to read news. Okay, I go to Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new newspaper, you know. But I mean, you, for your own personal thing, usually you do Instagram. The very young kids who do TikTok, you know, like, yeah. It's like a generation thing, like TikTok, IG, Facebook, and then like yeah, almost uh. yeah. So there will be a generational handover, right, right, right. and, and also like the young people don't want to be on the same yeah, same yeah, platform yeah. as the older older ones or their parents. Yeah, that's why. Right. Yeah, like all their parents are on Facebook. You know, it's like hey, yeah, don't want to be. Yeah, yeah. the parents are very Listen, my mother at me on Facebook. <laughs> I blocked my parents. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's cool. I mean, I think even as as a as a older person, you know, you got to get in touch with the younger people. If not, you have no opportunity to give back, you know, or to engage with the younger generation. Then you get a generational kind of rift, you know, like why should I bother with TikTok for the heck of it, lah? If not, the young people talk about TikTok. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a that's an important mindset to have, uh, Like, can't be yeah. always stuck in your past and like, wow, I want to. Wow, well, gig must. Yeah. You must learn what's trending and what's like relevant lah in a way. Yeah, yeah. things thing relevant is important. Relevant. Yeah. At least be open to it or not like oh, Yeah, or yeah. not, oh, I don't understand so I criticize. Yeah, yeah the TikTok yeah, right. right. yeah. Tonight yeah. I start TikTok lah guys. Oh. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you know, just start, you know. Yeah, but I also think that this this idea that uh, the older people need to engage with the youth. Uh-huh. They need to do their part as seniors, you know, and to feed this ecosystem as well. It may not be money, you no, know, it could be time. Mm. You know, I, I teach, teach the young people, I share my experience. Please avoid the pitfalls that I went through. You know, in my time, it was like that. And now maybe you need to try something else. You know, and then it revitalizes the older people. Yeah, yeah. Then they will know that, hey, no, the times are now like that. Uh, I have to change also. So we get a whole ecosystem of everyone improving together. It should be like that. You know, the OGs should do work. Yeah. But I think, yeah, now it's like, what? One hour, 11 minutes, eh? <laughs> Long chat. Yeah. Very for two hours, No, but one it's hour. a very meaty and deep conversation, yeah, right? Yes. Over food. Yeah, and, and I, I think I, I have put a lot of thought into this, uh-huh. all these things before. Yeah. That's why, you know, when you ask me this question, I, it's there. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's in my mind, It's in, it's uh. in my heart, and I believe I'm not the only one. Mm, yeah, a few, yeah. a lot of, a few of us really want to. Yeah, like time in the toilet, just thinking. You lose sleep over the music scene. Yeah. True. Wow. Don't look at me. I want to water. Okay. <laughs> I'll buy water. Yeah. Just eat. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think that's that's quite quite fruitful. Yeah. Maybe we can just stop the recording now here first. Yeah. You're the more in depth one, maybe the part two. <laughs> Next time. Sure. Anytime. Yeah. Pick my brain anytime. Maybe you can choose another. Maybe it can be an actual thing like a coffee shop talk. Coffee <laughs> shop podcast. No, you see, if you like our content of coffee shop talk, right? Yeah. Subscribe or like leave a comment. If not, we do something else at somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 do something different activity. Yeah. And, 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 and hot stock. 
Then they get Mpark to sponsor. Wow, idea. <laughs> idea, sir. Doing the, doing the forest. Yeah, but I mean, seriously, I really think like that, you know, government and corporation need to chip in. So, mm. it wouldn't be a crazy idea to say, uh, this, yeah, you yeah. know, get them to pay. I saw the Miss Lu. Mm. She got some sponsored thing by Sinoko Power. Wow. Really? Uh? No, and it's a full-on business plan. You know, you survive by doing this and people are writing music to survive now, to get the grants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so this is actually kind of an opportunity. Yeah, actually, yeah, you can see, yeah, it's definitely an opportunity. Yeah. Nothing has changed. Everyone all on the same level ground, playing field, right? Yeah. Start Sorry from Koso, everyone, yeah. Samula. Yeah, Samula yeah, some already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this, this episode got off, uh, hidden tips and tricks also. <laughs> Time for it to go. Whether people are actually on it, really, it's like, you can take all the advice already, but then you know it's rather yeah. only probably like one percent of people will go and actually go and do something about it. The advice, but at least yeah. they got ideas. Yeah, you know, but ideas only stay ideas if like no one, if no one executes. <laughs> yeah. Correct lah, yeah. you know. But if if people know that there are people that are willing to help, mm, yeah, we correct. make known that we're willing to help, and when the ideas come out, you no, know, we can be there for them lah. Uh, yeah. I think that that that's equally important. Yeah, that's a that's a start. Yeah, because uh, people always have this inertia, they don't dare to start. Yeah. You know, they're afraid to fail, afraid fail. you know, so you got to make it easier for them to make the change. Yeah, but we also, for very long, also don't dare to start. La. Yeah. So you need recently, you started something. <laughs> hyper, hyper. But it's the right time. Yeah. La. It's the right time. It's not right. now, then never. Yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not you just got to do it. Yeah. So TikTok, guys. TikTok. <laughs> yeah. I expect dancers. Uh. I expect dancing. Yeah, we just end the recording here. Watch out for the next episode, I think. Watch out for my TikTok. Cut to a clip. Oh yeah, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Is it end of like any, don't plug anything recently happening or, I don't know. Plug ah? Yeah. Uh, Pantheon is expanding exponentially. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. We're gonna have a new percussion retail space uh. and bookshop. Uh, and I, I, my dream for it is to be a HQ, Nice. Private clubhouse for the drummers. Uh, you know, you feel you feel like coming to play some drums, want to practice, uh, drink some coffee, just drop nice, in, nice. chit chat while I do some stuff. You know, like you know, and and people want to enjoy that experience. Uh -huh. You know, and uh, I think a lot of uh, classical percussionists have also been left mm. out. They don't really have a place to rehearse and all that. So this was again to address needs. Right, right. You yeah, know, yeah. like since the beginning, it's like we find gaps in the scene and we try to. Mm plug it you know and so it was on my heart to help the percussionists as well we the drummers always had you know like we in the last few years at least i had like opportunities yeah yeah, yeah but the classical percussionists kind of were like left on your own uh, yeah, yeah so now maybe that's the middle bridging ground for yeah. everyone because a lot of classical percussionists are drummers uh -huh. you know and yeah. you kind of got to do both right so this new place is for uh, everyone it could be up as early as october Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, actually, renovation is being done really. Wow. Nice, nice, nice. Wow. Yeah, so it will be a fresh new space, uh, rehearsal rooms, workshop, activity area, showroom. We got Pentian coffee line next time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Drum, drums like, ah, it's in the plan. Oh. <laughs> it's in the plan. Damn. Okay, so yep. New space. Yeah. So new space. Watch out in October. October, <laughs> right? New space. New space. Okay, okay, end the recording here. Thank you. See you next time. Bye-bye.